Hi, welcome back. I'm Sharon Witt. You're listening to This One Life, Stories That Shape You. And my special guest this evening is Samuel Johnson, um, an amazing Australian actor and activist and also um, just all-round great guy. And um, just a word of warning, we are chatting about mental illness and we are chatting about the topic of suicide tonight. We're not shying away from that because um, both Sam and I have been touched by suicide um, and we've had love, loved ones that have taken their lives and we've had a really big chat before the break and we're going to continue on with this because we know it's going to help listeners, don't we, Sam? Yeah, we do. I mean, what, what did you think about my thoughts before the break? I mean, do you, do, you, do you agree that our kind of, that our consumeristic society doesn't really promote those things that we truly need? Oh, absolutely. And Sam, one of the things that I've been talking to young people about recently is and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. When I was in school and when you were in school, we we left school at 3.30, we said goodbye to our mates and we went home. Now, we had a break. We hung out with our mates in the street or did whatever we did and we didn't really communicate with each other um, and then we went back to school at quarter to nine the next day and, you know, took up where we left off. These days our kids are so... Um, stuck into their social media, they're available 24-7, many of them, and they don't get that break as well to just um, find their find their spark and do the things that bring them joy and that purpose and just hanging out and climbing trees and that sort of stuff. I wonder if that has also got a part to play in our young people struggling with their mental health. I'd say I've got two comments on that, Sharon. Firstly, it's very important that we don't demonise social media because social media is not to blame. It's merely a reflection of who we are. Yep. Um, if we don't, if we don't like that reflection, then we need to address ourselves, not the format. Yep. We can't, we can't, um, we can't blame a technological format for uh, for the reflection that we don't like. Um, so, firstly, I'd I'd say that. Secondly, I'd say I'd agree with you entirely and say that we are plugged in and connected 24-7. That's fine. Um, we love to be connected. We've shown that. That's one of our intrinsic psychological needs is to feel connected and a sense of belonging. And that's fine. But what we're missing out on, and you talked about this, is the silence. Mm. Now, now, if you speak to any writer, they'll tell you that they do their writing on a three-hour walk in the morning. It, they, they don't do their work at the, at the desk. Um, I mean, I'm a marketer. Um, essentially in my role as a fundraiser and and I don't do all of my campaigning at the desk I need to be away from my work I need to be um, I, I need to be completely away from everything for all of my thoughts and theories and feelings to digest and percolate properly it's really in those times of quiet in those times of silence they're the times that you're able to make sense of the jumble that is your other life and without taking the time to let your subconscious and consciousness um, naturally kind of filter all of that through, then then you just end up with a backlog. You end up not ever addressing the things that are building up. And we know what happens if, if things build up inside us. They grow larger and we grow unhealthy. Um, so, so I really don't think there's an emphasis societally, at least in a Australia of, of the value of aloneness 
in, in, I mean, we're so busy kind of connecting and staying plugged in 24-7 that, some, that somehow the aloneness and the, and the peace and quiet and, and the solitude has, has, been, has, has been relegated and we don't really talk about it much. Now, we'll see beautiful photos on our phone of, um, of, of tranquil settings and wonderful quotes and people, you know, tapping out and, you know, and, and we know that we're meant to spend time away from our phones, but we don't. We know that we're not going to sleep as well if we have the phone in our bedroom with us, yet we allow ourselves to sleep with our phones. We know what we have to do and we don't do it. Yeah. So, so, so therein lies the rub. Um, if you can use your phone and technology and social media responsibly, it's going to really aid and assist you. I personally have done nothing but benefit from social media. I'm the, I think I'm the first charity in Australia to raise $10 million for, for, um, for charity through social media. So social media for us is an amazing tool. Mm-hmm. It's really positive and I've been able to collectivise over 800,000 Australians into one port of call, one, one village, we call it, and from there we do great work. So there's examples for every rotten kind of aspect of, uh, of social media. There's examples of wonderful things that happen as well. If used judiciously, it can be an incredibly powerful tool, but I don't see many kids being encouraged to use it judiciously. I think it's probably rarer that a parent polices the screen time as much as they like to think they do. Yeah. And, um, and, and it's a tough one because... Because we are addicted to that dopamine hit, it's um, you know, we end we we end up kind of um, what do you call it, conceding when it comes to the kid. Um, you know, we might try and get the phone off the kid, but they'll, you know, we end up relenting. Yeah. Um, this is this is providing huge problems for our teachers uh, in primary school who are reporting massive language gaps with kids that have been grown up, uh, that have been raised with tablets. So, so now we're using tablets as pacifiers for our kids, um, and and the consequence of that is that um, kids are no uh, are now failing to read um, um, facial expressions properly, yeah, and they're failing to pick up language properly because they're not sitting at the table with the family and engaging socially, um, even if they're just sitting there in the pram listening and watching. If we've got them on a device, um, you know when we're out to dinner because we want to catch up with our friends, um, then um, the, the effects of that are just starting to be studied and realised. So we're now, we're, we've now got kids rocking up to primary school with, with massive language gaps and our teachers were already struggling. So I think it's very important that we realise the power of it and, we, um, and that we understand that it has the potential to destabilise us as humans and, and potentially to, um, to really halt our... Um, our, our growth intellectually, spiritually, socially, and you know, you name yeah. it. You're speaking to the converted, um, Sam, because I'm a secondary teacher two days a week, so yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, there about. you go. So, so yeah. you've perhaps already learned learned yeah. a lot of this stuff at the coalface. Absolutely. Hey, um, um, is, oh, oh. are my learnings correct as far as your experiences as a teacher go? Oh, absolutely. Because I've only read the results of studies and stuff. I mean, I'd love to know in the real world what what's happening. Yeah. Look, absolutely. Um, I know that. Um, Definitely, even things like um, getting kids to read books for adventure and just, you know, you know how you used to read books and you, you go off on these adventures and fantasy and, and, you know, different utopias and things. And now you try and get young people to read. Some do read, but many are just like, well, I can get all that adventure when I'm on my Xbox or whatever, like when I'm online, like I just play games. And a lot of them are gaming for many hours, many, many hours. And, 
yes, they're socializing in a way, but it's all online. So, you know, they're going into these their own little worlds, I think, and they're, they're learning just to spend time on their own. And I just wonder yeah, how much that time out as is. A virtual, it, it started out as a virtual reality and it's kind of morphing into artificial intelligence. And, um, and, and I'm fine with all of that, just as long as we make sure that we're interacting with our loved ones as well. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, Sam, um, interestingly enough, I'm just going to change topic for a minute here. Yeah. We actually had an interview scheduled um, last March and bang, lockdown hit and I was not allowed to go to the studio and we literally could not have that interview. That was a year ago. Ask, um, what was lockdown like for you? How did, how did it change your world all of a sudden? Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the exceptions as far as I can tell. Um, I I spend a lot of time with people touring um, in my uh, in a fundraising capacity. Yeah. So for my work as a cancer advocate, um, to give you a picture of it, I've done I've, I've, we, we estimate uh, that we've visited that I've visited eleven hundred towns in seven and a half years. That Just, means that I've not okay. been home yeah. for seven and a half years. I, I, I averaged two weekends at home a year up until COVID. Um, so I'm a, I'm a street rat. I'm a, you know, I'm just, I'm a road boy. Um, and, and so it's the first time in my life that I've, um, that I've stopped and, and it was really beneficial for me. I mean, thankfully I was able to confirm myself as who I thought I was. Mm. Um, I've always imagined that I would, I would uh, love more time alone if I could get it. And I always imagined that solitude wouldn't be a problem. And I always managed that if I ever found a window, I'd use it to learn and grow. Uh, and thankfully, thankfully when COVID hit, I, I, I saw it as just a golden opportunity because one of the things that I sacrifice for the work that I do is, is my time alone. And it's one of the things that I value um, and, and prize. It's, it's, it's really something that I, um, um, that I would rather not sacrifice. But as my sister said, this is bigger than you, Sam. So, so most of the time I'm off doing something that's bigger than me and I, and I put my own um, needs for privacy or solitude to the side. Um, COVID allowed me me to to um, to get to know myself, and um, I'm pleased to report that I am who I thought I was. I I I went back to the you know I've I've got a theory and it's led to me being well because um, uh, I wasn't well for a long time, and um, I come from dysfunction and um, and mental frailty, and um, really once I I decided um, after years of systematic kind of abuse and bad decisions um I, I decided that i would go back to what i loved before i found um before i before i found puberty before i found drugs and alcohol before i found you know anything remotely resembling kind of you know teenagehood or adulthood yeah. and and i went back to before all that and i thought well what did i love before all of that stuff kind of overtook my life and um and really my love my loves back then were were nature photography and uh, reading and writing and so really I just used COVID as an excuse to get back to all of those things that I used to love doing and it's nourished me no end I'm, um, I've been reading you know you know for the kids listening who might like their screen time or whatever you know it's important to note that you know that nearly every successful person that they that they look up to and and every person that I look up to whether it's you know whether it's you know someone epic like a um, Elon Musk 
you know, or, or podcasters like Joe Rogan or people like Steve Jobs who ran Apple. All of these people, these high-achieving people that um, that kind of lead the way for us, they all read voraciously. Yeah, they do. You know, the, the value of reading has been lost um, in recent years and it really is it really is a shortcut to success because you can you can have the whole world in your lap. You can learn anything with a book, you know, anything you choose to be interested in. So, so yeah, I've accessed my curiosity again, and I'm reading and writing voraciously, and I've found that my mental health has only improved since I've gone back to learning, um, you know, because really, otherwise you just get lost in yourself and your own problems and your own world. You end up in a little echo chamber, and you've got your own little torments and nothing to drag you outside of them. And, and opening up a book um, can take you to another world and teach you, and teach you that you're probably problems um uh, that you're not alone and so so yeah it's been wonderful for me i've gotten back to reading writing photography and mother nature it was great for me too and um look we've run out of time sam but i tell you what i'm going to get you back on the show because we have more to talk about um yeah look you've got it we've got to talk again i mean obviously obviously we need you know this is an ongoing discussion Mm. thanks so much for your time tonight sam um That's all we have time for this evening. Um, I'm Sharon Witt and you've been listening to This One Life Stories That Shape You. I look forward to your company next time.